Welcome to the Haunted Estate. Hello, I am your host, Selena Myers. I am a home reader and paranormal enthusiast, and I fell in love with podcasts like Lex Wall's Anything Ghost and Real Ghost Stories Online with Tony and Jenny Bruski. And I think that maybe there is just a little bit of room for one more podcast like this. I want to talk about paranormal subjects and go deeper into your stories. I would love to get to know all of you and slither my way into your paranormal life. Please visit our website at thehauntedestate.com. Here you will find ways to contact us, like our toll-free number where you can record your story at 1-877-260-3428. Tell us your paranormal story, ghost story, or anything in between. And I hope you enjoy this, the first installment of The Haunted Estate. Hello, my spooky darlings. I hope that you enjoyed the first episode of The Haunted Estate, and if so, please make sure to share with your friends and family via Facebook, via website, via email, via whatever you're into. So right now we are available on all listening platforms like iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. For now, I'm going to be putting out two episodes a week, and hopefully when and if more stories start rolling in, I'd like to put out three to five episodes a week for your listening enjoyment. If you have a paranormal question, story, or legend, please call the Haunted Estates toll-free number 1-877-260-3428 or email us your comments at thehauntedestate.com. Have you ever been to a funeral? Probably. Imagine using that time to forever immortalize that person in a picture. Seems kind of morbid, doesn't it? Well, in the past, that was tradition and a part of everyday life. It was a big part of American and European culture. Taking a picture was pretty hard back then. You'd need to stand very still for a long time, and it cost a pretty penny. So the majority of people went whole lives without a picture. With the, mato- with the mortality rate, lots of loved ones came and went so quickly. So a lot of these post-mortem pictures were considered some of the family's most prized possessions. The earliest post-mortem photographs are usually close-ups of the face or full shots of the body, and rarely include the coffin. The subject is usually depicted so as to seem in a deep sleep, or else arranged to appear more lifelike. Children were often shown in a repose on a couch or a crib, sometimes posed with a favorite toy or plaything. It was not uncommon to photograph very young children with a family member, most frequently the mother. Flowers were also a common prop in postmortem photography of all types. Later photographs, examples show the subject in a coffin. Some very late examples show the deceased in a coffin with a large group of funeral attendees. This type of photograph was especially popular in Europe and less common in the United States. Postmortem photography is still practiced in some areas of the world, such as Eastern Europe. Photographs, especially depicting people who were considered to be very holy lying in their coffins, are still circulated among faithful Eastern Catholic, Eastern Eastern Orthodox and Oriental Orthodox Christians. A variation of memorial portrait involves photographing the family with a shrine, usually including a living portrait 
dedicated to the deceased. Wondering how you can spot a postmortem picture to add to your collection? Well, here's the tips I've learned. First, you look at the base. Around the feet, you would see a stand looking a bit more like a floor lamp floor with little feet. These are called Brady stands and were used to stand the body by latching onto the waist and neck. Some other points to look for are the lack of glare in the eyes and a lifeless look. It can take a trained eye, but it can be found. I personally have about 25 of my own photos and they will be available to be seen on thehauntedestate.com. When you first hear about this, it seems morbid, but I have to say, I wouldn't mind one bit if somebody played dress up with me, would you? This article and other creepy stories are available at thehauntedestate.com. Have an article idea? Email us at selena, C-E-L-I-N-A, at thehauntedestate.com. So, my lovely loves, I need stories. I'm really happy to say that we actually have a few stories today and our first phone call. Still, the first and only phone call, but I want to send out a giant thank you to Sunny for doing that. So, I would still like to put it out there. If you can call in your story, I would really prefer that. I hate my own voice. And don't forget, that is 1-877-260-3428. Thank you. This first story is actually from someone who would like to remain anonymous. That is also an option you have. If it's a call, just say, don't say your name, actually. And if it's an email, feel free to just say, hey, I don't want anyone to know it's me, and I'm totally fine with that. So here's the story. My first experience was when I was around the age of six or seven. I lived in a house with my mother, her boyfriend, and brother. My brother and I shared a room at the time. I remember one night I woke up. My bed was against the window, so the moonlight was shining in. I laid there half awake, about to fall back asleep as most people often do, when I heard the voice of a woman in my ear. She started to sing in the most softest voice I had ever heard. I laid there so still, startled by this voice. As the house was dark and nobody was awake, I never played the radio, and back then there were no TV sets in our bedrooms. As the singing continued, I realized I couldn't make sense of where it was coming from. It was too close for comfort, and there was no way it was coming from outside, as it was cold and all the windows were shut. I became afraid. When I look back, I'm not sure why, as it was the sweetest sound I'd ever heard. I looked over to my brother in hopes that he'd hear it too but he didn't. Then I tried to call his name, and I couldn't speak a word. My voice was muted. I tried to get out of bed, but I was frozen. This lasted for what seemed like forever. The terror I felt was indescribable. When I finally leaped out of bed and ran to my mother's room, she passed it off as a bad dream. I slept on her floor that night, more scared than I'd ever been. By morning, it all seemed normal, and I never heard the singing again. Thank you, Anonymous, for your story. I re-listened to that, and it just, it, it pulls out a couple things in my mind. First, in the way that you couldn't speak, 
makes me think of sleep paralysis but as most people know sleep paralysis is you're literally paralyzed there's the old hag syndrome where this really scary old lady is sitting on top of you there's a lot of different aspects and i even tried to google lady singing sleep paralysis and i didn't really come up with much my personal thought is sometimes when you were caught between wake and sleep you are kind of in a different dimension i know that's a crazy way to say it and a weird word to use but we've all been there where you're half awake and half asleep and you hear things you're kind of in the dream world you're kind of not and that's another one of those times when you're really susceptible to the other world because you're kind of on a different plane you're not in wake but you're not in sleep so my my opinion there was definitely that maybe you had a visitor, possibly family, someone who who wanted to sing you that lullaby. And my other guess is the reason you didn't hear it again is because it probably was a respectful spirit and it felt your fear and it thought that maybe coming around wasn't something that you would like. <laughs> and now, a great paranormal book. I have recently been reading a book called Promised from the Volkov Dynasty. I was lucky enough to actually run into the author, V. Anderson, at her book signing in Woodstock, Ontario on Sidewalk Days. That was awesome. I got a little personal note from her. So I would like to take this time to give you guys a little bit of a snippet off the back of the book. It's so good. And direct you in the area of where you can pick up your own. Promised. The Volkov Dynasty. I ran. I ran like I've never ran before. I can hear them behind me. What do I do? I have to lead them away from our home, so I took them to the warehouse district. I crouched down hiding myself. I sat there quietly waiting for them, and I could feel that they were close. I can't go back. If they take me back, I'll never be leaving again. He'll make sure of it. Bryce sighed, showing his annoyance. He raised his voice. Olivia, we have your pet, so you better come out. You're probably trying to understand why I'm hiding from these people who know me. Well, I have to take you back three years for you to understand why I'm running for my life. Promised is the first book in the Volkov Dynasty by the author V. Anderson. She also has another amazing series called the Lily Reed series, and that has to do with vampires. So, you know, that's where I am at. Um, v. Anderson is actually a really great person, and I'm really lucky to be able to call her a friend. If you head over to thehauntedestate.com, on the very first page there, you scroll down, there will be a picture of the front of one of these books and I would now like to send you in a direction of where to find them also on the site if you do click on that picture it will give you a direct link to her website where you'll be able to find these places it is available on lulu.com itunes amazon.ca and com actually pretty much every amazon barnes and noble kobo kindle and smash words go check her out and now for another ghost story this story is actually from a paranormal team that I worked with at the Cherry Hill Mansion in Mississauga, and this is one of their experiences. She sent in two stories, but I'm going to uh, keep the other one and share it for the next episode to make sure I have some stories, but this will be a fun one. This place is located in Mississauga, Ontario. 
my team members and I have investigated this place a few times. On our first investigation of Cherry Hill, we captured an intelligent spirit. This happened close to the end of our investigation. It took a while, but we finally got something. Two of my team members and I were standing under the stairs on the main floor where the bar was. It was close to the end of the evening and we needed to leave. As we stood there, it was determined that we could get something on EVP before we left. I finally spoke up and said if there's anyone here, please let us know. We're leaving soon and just want to know if someone was here. 12 seconds later on our EVP, you can hear, oh, oh, and that's when the metal square object flew down the stairs at three of us. We started to run out, but one of our team members stopped us just before we got through the door and said, we should go back up there and see what they threw down the stairs. This is why we're all here, isn't it? We all took a few minutes to regroup and went back upstairs to see what was thrown down at us. Oh, it was very scary and real. On our second investigation, we got a lot of weird things that happened. First, as we came in, I went first and asked the spirits if it was okay to do another investigation. Just as I finished asking, we could hear a loud noise coming from the second floor, as if somebody threw something down to the ground. And it was right after hearing that that we started hearing chairs being dragged along the floor above us. The only problem is that there were no chairs as there was a renovation going on. We were all terrified, and in the second time, we got lots of action that night. We went upstairs to find what was thrown onto the ground. We found both men's and female washroom on the second floor soap dispensers, both of them in the same position in the bathroom on the floor. That freaked us right out. Walking upstairs, taking pics and videos and EVPs, some of our team members can feel someone touching them. They were pretty scared as it was dark up there. We caught a lot of orb action that night and have lots of pics to show, if needed. I love those. And then, as the rest of the team went off to keep investigating, I was getting a bit angry with my team. Their shoes were so noisy, so I decided to go outside. I decided to go outside and let the rest of the members finish up upstairs. I was leaving five other team members and they decided they wanted to go out of the house as well. We went down to the basement where I came in from. My brother John had left keys in the door. As I got to the basement, three team members were at the door, but it would not open. They were charging the door, pushing it, but it would not open. Myself and two other members just stood there frozen on what we were seeing. The door would not open. They charged it like football players. So please note, three team members are big boys, and that door would not, up af- would not open up after about three minutes. They stepped back from the door, and one of the team members just touched it, and the door opened. It was crazy. I would not go back there that night after that episode with the door. Every time that we've been back since, something new happens. I hope you can use some of this and wish you the best of luck on your new adventure with this site. Love you and hope this is good enough and you can add in your experience with us as well. Take care, hun. Thank you so much, Caroline. It's hard to believe that it has been over a year. I really think it has been over a year since I did that investigation with you guys. Wow, that was... 
it was really incredible actually the cherry hill mansion is located in mississauga and we met up I fe- we found each other in a facebook group i think it was a paranormal group we kind of reached out to each other i think i reached out to you after seeing your investigation and you gave me the opportunity to actually come out and work with you guys and meeting you guys was really great and our night in the cherry hill mansion was fantastic as you know i am a home reader and there were a lot of people there and everybody was mosing around and i was standing in this upstairs room when you go upstairs these like these two great rooms on either side and i was standing in the left hand room and i'm just i'm what i do is i see other people's memories playing in my head kind of like you remembering your birthday i'm remembering someone else's memory so in what i'm seeing i see this woman just get up and kind of um walk across hastily to this fireplace which is on the wall and shove her hand up 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 in there so then she leaves and i didn't see what she shoved up in this fireplace so i kind of mosey over there and i sit down and i can't believe i had the balls to do this because i hate spiders and this place was empty renovations were going on it was it was a very spooky place i don't think there was any electricity at the time but i reached my hand up right where i saw this woman in my head reach her hand up and i feel up in the crack and i feel something and i pull it out and it's this this cardboard square about three inches by three inches and it's it's dark gray and right in the middle is a picture of a woman and everyone was just like what that's crazy and um it was a picture and i actually if caroline if you've done any research on that if you're listening to this i'd love to hear what you found out but later on that evening there's a great history i think at the end of this episode i'm going to put in the history of the cherry hill mansion but there's quite a story to go behind it and before we were leaving as you hear in that story they were at the base of the stairs that's where something was thrown at them while me and caroline's son um, and the group had quite an experience we were asking questions we were asking for one knock for yes two knocks for no and we had a completely intelligent conversation with a spirit i think i'm going to try and find that clip i do have it somewhere and i want to post it to the web page But I have another story from Caroline, and I think it's one of her team's first experiences. So that will be on episode three of The Haunted Estate. Thank you so much, Caroline, so much for sending that in. That was that was fun. I had so much fun with you guys. I hope to be able to work with you guys again soon. And now for our first ever paranormal phone call. Hi, Selena. It's Sunny. You told me to call with a story, and it took me a few days to figure out which one I wanted to share. So I thought of the one that kind of gave me the biggest goosebumps. When my daughter was maybe 16 or 17 months old, I was nursing her to sleep in our newest home, which our room was in the basement. And I was laying on bed in bed with her, um, face-to-face with her nursing on my side, and she rolled over onto her back and looked up at the ceiling and into the corner, looked and said bye-bye to something that was there, and then blew it a kiss. And then she went back to nursing, and I looked up in the corner, and I didn't see anything. And then I looked back down at her, and she was still watching something, whatever it was, 
And then she rolled back onto her back again and started doing the sign in sign language for book. And then it took a couple seconds looking at it and then went back to nursing and then unlatched again and then said bye-bye to whatever this thing was. And it took me looking at wherever she was looking and saying, okay, you need to leave now. I need to get my daughter to sleep. And then not even within a couple minutes later, my daughter fell asleep. So it freaked me out. It was really exciting, but... I was quite spooked and afraid to go in that room again without a light on. So that's my story. I hope you enjoy. Okay, bye. Thank you, Sunny, so much for your call. I really appreciate it. It was really cool. I was way too excited for my first phone call. I listened to it so many times and I'm like, Adam, we got a call. It was just, it was fantastic. And I like, you know, it came out on here pretty well. Um, some things I'd like to say, it goes back to, children being very able to see spirits good bad everything in between and i know sunny is a very open spiritual person so i know she knows the things i'm going to say but you know kids they do see things that we don't see we don't know if they're good or they are bad and if you were in a new building it could be an older spirit but the thing is is children they might not know scary but they definitely know negative feelings like it would make them cry or it would make them upset so my like kind of guess on this kind of situation would be that hopefully it would be a, like a family member or something like that and also whoever was visiting would have noticed your uncomfortable feeling so if you didn't see them again i don't know i'm hoping to hear more stories possibly phone calls finger crossed that would be really cool but i don't know if you're still there but i'm glad that you called in and i adore you and thank you my dear if you have a real ghost story, please call our toll-free number, 1-877-260-3428. Due to the lack of stories, I actually thought that I would share some personal accounts of my mother's. I will get into some of my own personal accounts when the podcast gets a little, uh, what can I say, more active. I had exactly 41 views and 9 downloads so it's pretty cool that people are watching it it makes me happy but i just i don't know how much more i can do to push the podcast so if you could share it that would really make my day so here is a story of my mother's so when i was young about five years old we lived in the same house where a lot of stories come from and it had one of those hallways when you walk in it goes up like 40 feet high and there's one of those big chandeliers so when I got home this day I had a balloon and I played with that balloon but the thing in our house is all balloons ended up at this like 40 foot ceiling in the hallway so that night my mom was just like you know what Selena chill maybe during the night it'll come down you'll be able to play with it tomorrow or or something like that so I go to bed and my mom she sleeps with the door open and it's about three o'clock in the morning and she starts to like feel something on her face so she like reaches out and she sees that it's the balloon so she she pushes it away not thinking too much of it because you know balloons kind of lower themselves and and stuff like that so a few minutes later she feels it again so she turns on the light and this balloon is literally on her face and she's like this is so weird so she goes to push the balloon away and there was tension at the end of the string like she pushed the balloon but the string stood still like right where it was and the balloon was at a weird angle so that's kind of uh 
terrifying story. Um, there's another balloon story like that, which is mine. My brother had brought home a balloon. He's three years younger than me. And I was in the bathroom and everybody was downstairs. And when I opened the door, the balloon had just came in with opening the door, which you could think of wind suction. But when I asked my brother, he said that the balloon was in his bedroom with the door shut. So that's just kind of like an easy one. And that'll go into the f when I tell you about the history of the house and what we found out about that house in a later episode will kind of make sense. Another one of my mom's stories, this one's really cool. Um, she had a woman come into the house because we had a lot of things that were happening. And I'll go into that in another episode. But she had told my parents that our house was kind of like a lobby for ghosts. Like they come and go, that kind of thing. So one morning my mom wakes up and she thinks that she smells smoke. So she, she sits up and she looks over to where her TV cabinet is. One of those ones with the doors and you can like pull the TV out and turn it. Good old 90s. And um, there are standing two men. They're wearing overalls. They don't really have faces. Like they're holding supplies. And the only thing that's in color, they're in black and white, but the only thing that was in color was the end of this, this cigarette. And my mom was just like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So that was, that was one that kind of goes along with the history of the property and, and who lived there. And um, here's the final story. Um, I'm going to change names just to protect, pr protect identities. But um, this one's really sad. My mom had a neighbor and her name was June. And she was an older lady and we had found out that her grandson had passed away. So my mom had never really met the grandson or anything. So in the middle of the night again, my mom woke up and on my dad's side of the bed at the end was a window and it was facing June's house. So my mom is looking and the moon's coming in the window and there's this young man and he's naked and he's sitting with his hands on his knees and he has a towel around his neck. Yeah, so she saw this young man sitting on the end of the bed and he was looking out that window towards the neighbor's house. My mom was like, no way, no way. This can't be her grandson because her, her grandson had passed away in a kitchen. She's like, why would this naked guy be sitting on my bed with a towel around his neck? It just, it didn't make sense. So my mom vowed to herself that she would, she would never tell June about what she saw and what had happened. So of course my mom being my mom, a few months later, she's like, okay, I'm just gonna... I'm just gonna ask her about it. So she tells June about it and she's like, but it doesn't make sense because he died like at work. And um, June's like, no, no, Joanne. He died when he got out of the shower. So my mom was just like, wow. And it really blew her mind, but it's just, it just goes to show that that wasn't one of those things where you dream it. Cause how would she know that he had this towel around his neck and that's the thing with my family with this gift that we seem to have it falls on the women on my mother's side of the family and it's really interesting and now some haunting information about the cherry hill house in mississauga so I found a cool article I'm going to read to you about the cherry hill house and I'm going to link it on the facebook page 
um, is pretty cool. It, it's it's an interesting place, but here's what this journalist had to say. Beware the ghosts of Cherry Hill, they said, and I laughed. I don't believe in that. Fables of a little girl lurking around the house seemed all too surreal to me. As well was the idea that the stones used for the foundation of the house were taken from an ancient native burial ground, right? Then I decided to do a little research, and I was shocked to find the amount of testimonies testimonies <laughs> online claiming that this Mississauga landmark is in fact haunted. According to Southern Ontario Paranormal Society, the Cherry Hill House is one of Canada's top haunted landmarks. So, I decided to see for myself. Upon arrival, I noticed that based on the photos I had researched, the original 1922 structure was mostly still intact, especially considering, the considering that in 1972, the house had been moved to a new foundation more than 800 feet away. So apparently, this is when strange things began to happen, and rumors of paranormal activity began to surface. Residents in the area say that according to the story, members of the family who originally owned the house are upset that it was relocated and are haunting the people who visit. Patrons have reported mysterious sightings of a small girl in the windows of vacant rooms upstairs. According to customers, many have experienced the lights dimming for no apparent reason, glasses falling off tables, cold spots in certain areas of the house, and even apparitions appearing in the mirrors. During renovations, I remember some of the contractors refusing to work here past dark, recalls the bartender, Ashley. I've worked here for years at night, and I've seen some pretty weird stuff, she adds. Ashley, who works in the basement bar, has felt a paranormal presence for as long as she can remember. She recalls instances when she had put bottles or glasses down and was certain that they had been moved when she went to pick them back up. I could, I could be, it could be my imagination. We get pretty busy in here, and I don't find that happens to me anywhere else, she says. She said that she's become used to the lights dimming and getting brighter. So, there I sat, with my glass of Pinot Grigio, and my overpriced Cabernet salad, and waiting for the ghost to appear. Sure, I'm a skeptic, and sar as sarcastic as they come, but come on, ghosts, really? Then it happened, my first abnormal experience with this place. Sure, it could have been my mind playing tricks on me, or the Pinot Grigio going to my head, but I could have sworn I placed my fork on my left and my knife on my right. I know this because I'm left-handed, and it's natural for me to replace my utensils, not to mention I remember doing it. Yet, sure enough, I looked down, and they were reversed. Weird, but not impossible. I asked the waitress if she had moved them, and she looked at me like I was positively crazy. According to a 2010 article on Miss, uh, from Mississauga, the original owners of the house were the Silverthorns. They moved to Canada after immigrating to the United States from England in the 1700s. The, ch the cherry tree saplings that they brought with them flourished on the acreage of land surrounding the house. Archives available in the Mississauga Library System on the Silverthorne family reveal that Joseph Silverthorne and his wife Jane migrated to Mississauga from Niagara-on-the-Lake with Joseph's parents, John and Esther. The giant two-story Georgian-style home, wrapped with beautiful veranda, was built by their own hands and became known as the most elegant house in Peel County. 
It was situated upon a small hill overlooking the 200-acre cherry tree farm. Joseph and Jane Silverthorne had three sons and nine daughters. Three of their unmarried daughters, Janet, Helen, and Augusta, inherited the house after Joseph and Jane died. When Augusta had died in 1913, she left the house to her great-nephew, William Stanulus Roman Walsh. <laughs> Due to the neglect of the house, it soon decayed and was lost in the Depression because of unpaid taxes. Years later, the house was adopted by the city as a historical site, and after undergoing many renovations, reopened as a restaurant. Today, Cherry Hill is operating by Mickey Bellogate and remains both a restaurant and spectacle. And you know what, I'd like to tell you that actually it is empty as of now. Um, when I was there, it was an empty building. And that was about a year ago, but I know someone was in there, they were doing renovations. I don't know if it was going to be like a club or, or another restaurant, but it was a very, very high-priced um, place. So here's the last part of the article, I just wanted to <laughs> add that in. But then, just as I got up to leave, I noticed the mirror. I had been staring at it the entire time, and suddenly shifted. It was on a slight angle. Holy shit. <laughs> that being said, it's kind of a rush, stupid, and afraid feeling. I recommend checking this place out, especially if you're from Mississauga. Hopefully it will reopen soon if it hasn't already. So that is the article about the Cherry Hill Mansion house. I guess it's a house. It's a very large house. Um, really beautiful. Really amazing. So that is what I'd like to say today for you. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to call.